We are creating a platform for those who are curious, one that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project. All right, guys, welcome to the Working Artist Project. Today, I have the one and only Corcoran Holt. He's an educator, bass player, brand new father, and he's played with some of the greatest names in jazz. Kenny Garrett being the most recent one. Corcoran and I talked about spirituality and how that relates to his brand new record entitled The Mecca. We, we really got into a lot of subjects and just the how-tos and the grind of the everyday life of a working musician. How he balances that with the family, with the wife, with the new baby. I think you guys are going to really like this and I think you're going to really like his music. I played three selections from his brand new record uh, throughout the podcast, so Stay tuned, check it out, drop me a line, let me know what you think. Enjoy the show. Welcome to one and only Corcoran Holt to the Working Artist Project. Yo, thanks, Darian. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> man, I, I like to. I want to start this interview by just getting a sense of who you are for people who don't know. You know what I mean? So, just give me a, a history of the history of Corcoran Holt. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see. I was I was born in on September eighteenth, nineteen eighty two, which is makes me thirty five years old now. <laughs> okay. And um, I'm from Washington D.C. I was born in Charlotte, North Carolina, but raised in D.C. And I started on West African percussion when I was little, when I was like four years old. In D.C., part of a dance company. And I fell in love with the music right away. And I wanted to play drums in a music program when I was 10 years old. There was an orchestra program called the D.C. Youth Orchestra. So, um... I, I wanted to play drums in there, but there weren't any available spots, so I started playing bass. My dad signed me up on bass because my great-grandfather was a bass player, a jazz bass player from North Carolina who lived next door to John Coltrane when John Coltrane was a kid, a little kid. So my dad thought that, hey, let's let's have you play bass because it's like the drums and it goes along with the drums and it's a rhythmic instrument, holds mm-hmm. everything together. It's the foundation. So I, you know, I, I fell in love with... um. I've always loved music, but I didn't love bass at first. I still wanted to just play percussion. Then once I went to Duke Ellington School of Arts in D.C., which is a performing arts high school in Washington, I started to love to play the bass. You know, once jazz became infused in there and, and I was able to connect with that music and yeah. and be creative on the instrument, I fell in love with it. So I've been playing professionally since I've been 16 years old. I've been in New York since I was 2005. I went to undergrad in Virginia, and then I went to to grad school in New York at Queens College in, in uh, 2005, finished there in 2006, and I've been here ever since. And I just set out a goal just to play with as many musicians as I possibly can, you know, especially the, the older musicians, you know, so I can get the information while they were still here 
and it's been really good so far man you know it's been i'm really thankful it's been a, a great career and um it's continuing to move on man and you know, i'm all about music and all about family and now i just had a had a my first child all right about he's six weeks old today so yeah <laughs> so um between that and my career and just releasing this record that you know we've been talking about that we're gonna talk about it's been pretty busy man but i'm really thankful man to to be able to do what i'm doing all right let's get right into it since you mentioned the record man all right the record's called the mecca yep what does that mean is it you muslim no i'm not i'm not muslim <laughs> but um I'm a I'm a spiritual brother though. Okay, you know good. I, I want to get into that. I, I definitely want to get into the spirituality yeah. of music later. I'm a spirit. I'm a spiritual brother, but um, the Mecca to me, I'm not I'm not speaking of the Mecca in in Egypt. You know, like where all of the like all the Muslims from around the world travel to. I'm speaking of the Mecca as New York City being the meeting place of you know of the greatest artists in the world. And um, not even just artists, but a lot of people from all over, whatever profession, a lot of people come from all over the world and they come to New York and they meet and they grow and they create and they have experiences and then hopefully they become great at what they do. Right. So to me, the, the Mecca is about my journey from Washington, D.C. to New York and being in New York, okay. like every day of being in New York, playing with these different musicians, you know, and everybody on the record, every single person came from somewhere else to New York. No one no one is from New York. Okay. Really. So wait, who you got on the record? So on the record I have of course myself playing playing bass and djembe. I have Stacy Dillard, who's from originally from Muskegon, Michigan, but he's been in New York for quite some time. You know, he's one of the one of the best out here. Okay. You know, a good friend of mine. I have him on um what say tenor and soprano saxophone, Josh Evans. Oh, yeah. on trumpet yep. originally from Hartford Benito Gonzalez from Venezuela originally and uh, he's he's in New York we met in DC back in the day and and you know connected and we played with many different people we used to play in Kenny Garrett's band together at okay. the same time okay got uh, McClinty Hunter on drums yeah. who's originally from Detroit by way of Baltimore <laughs> by way of DC so he's like all the soulful cities right, right. wrapped in one right. um and uh, we've we've been cool for like the last 20 years playing with different people we also played with Kenny Garrett together um I have Rudy Bird on percussion um originally from Jamaica and he he came to New York he's the elder of the, of the band he came okay. to New York when he was 12 years old oh wow back in the back in the day you know so he's played with everybody some of your your favorite musicians from yeah kenny garrett all the way to lauren hill wow all the way to michael jackson wow, wow. so rudy has a very he's like the captain planet you know he's okay. like captain planet of the band he creates that earth fire wind water element right. you know but see that's interesting because if if you, you first of all y'all got to listen to the record i'm gonna play some of the music you know during this this interview but your music kind of fuses all these different styles it's mm. not like you can just be like yeah you like a jazz nerd you know right Nah, nah, it's it's everything. Yeah, you pull from all your influences. All my influences, yeah. man. You know, from even from go go music, which we'll talk about. You know, being from DC, mm -hmm. but um, also I have um Richard Padron. He's a Cuban American guitar player, originally from like Miami, Florida. But we met like in my first year of being in New York, and he's this incredible virtuosic, just ridiculously talented guitar player. And then I had a master guitarist, Russell Malone. 
playing on um, one of the tunes, The Ballad, with me. And um, Mavis Swampool, who's a great vocalist. Okay. Great friend of mine. She's originally from Durham, North Carolina, but um, she's been in New York. She's, you know, incredible vocalist, one of my favorite vocalists. And then, um, who else? There's a lot of people on here, (laughs) (laughs) obviously, as you can hear. And um, Andre Murchison. Okay. Oh, yeah. Trombone. Yeah. Yeah, He's playing trombone on a couple of tunes. And we met in New York. He's originally from Savannah, Georgia. So, like I said, everybody's from somewhere different. And we all, these are people that, some of the my closest friends that are all doing amazing things in the world that you know we've all grown together over these last 14 years yeah. you know and um it's crazy man when i look at it you know everybody is playing with different people people have family some people have left new york come right. back yeah. you know they you know it's just a it's just been a constant um growing process for everybody so that's that's a whole premise of the record is you know the mecca being new york city mm-hmm. the meeting of the minds so like man how do you get the inspiration to create your art you know what i mean because this is your first record right most cats write their first record in their 20s yeah right but, but you do. you took a different path yeah why did you take that path and then what also was the inspiration for that creation right well i took that path man i waited till i was 35 i could have done a record when i was 23 but I didn't want to like rush the process, man. I knew that I was just moving to New York. I had played with some folks, but it was like, come on, man. Like I want to be truly be patient with the process and have something to say, record something and be able to listen to it 15 years from now and be like, man, that was a great first record. I love that record. You know, some people listen back to their first record like, oh man, what was I doing? <laughs> you know, they cringe at it. Right. You know, so I, I just wanted to take that, take another, another um, direction in that and have some experiences and I'm inspired by all the people that I play that I play with and all the places that I go you know so the more the more I was traveling the more inspiration I had the more I was living the more inspiration I had you know you gotta go through good times you gotta go through bad times and then you can really create something because that's what art is you know art imitates life so a lot of times people they're like 20 years old and they record a record and that's and that's that's awesome you know that could work you know what I'm saying? Like, if you think about, like, back in the day, even with somebody like Lee Morgan, 18 years old, playing with Train. Right. But he right. was 18 years old playing with Train. Right. So that's, right. a, that's there's other situations. And and it was a whole nother time period. And for me, it was like, I need to live. I need to live and actually be able to put something and have a meaning and a story right. behind it and be able to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. now that I'm older, I could actually stand in front of thousands of people and talk about it and connect with them if yeah. i was 20 years old you could i might be a little shy and not <laughs> and my words wouldn't come out the right way you know but i've had so many i've been inspired by all these wonderful people that you know these different leaders that i played with you know from jimmy heath on down the list you know what i mean like the older guys all the way to my own age you know everything counts so yeah. i needed to be true to that process man yeah. no i like that man and one thing I do like, like, you know, of course, I listen to this whole record, you know, a bunch of times, you know. Yeah. And the one thing I like most about you as a person and musician is how connected you are to the higher being, being or spirituality, whatever mm. that means mm. for you and whatever that means for my listeners. Some people that's Jesus. Some people is Muhammad, you know, right. like well, whoever it is, whatever and whatever it is, you are connected to it. Yeah. How do you get to that place? Well, um, I think that, you know, that takes time, man. I am, you know, I am like, I am a Christian, you know, and I, 
have gone to church. I don't go to church every Sunday, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I, um, man, to, to get to that place, it's all about, it's also about your ancestors too, for me, mm-hmm. you know, like reflecting on those people that came before you that are no longer here, you know, present, presently in the physical form, they're not here, but them actually watching over you. And that was another thing. My ancestors inspired me also. Those yeah. people that came before me inspired me to do this whole project. You got a whole track dedicated. Yeah, I got a whole track. <laughs> yeah. And then if you, you know, a lot of people don't buy CDs and they don't read the liner notes anymore. But I have, I break down all of that. Everything as far as that's concerned, you know. And it's just, it's very, it's very important, man, for me um, to tap in spiritually. And the way that I do that is is by playing and feeling the audience and actually opening my heart and opening myself as I play and to, to get to that to that moment and I've, I've learned that from different people but I have to say that I learned that mostly from playing with Kenny Garrett for the last eight years because he puts himself out there from the very beginning to the very end of the show and that's something that people need to feel you know as a lot of times it's jazz musicians and I hate to just say the term jazz musicians you know but we we playing for each other right a lot of times we're not playing for the audience, for those people that are listening. And that's the problem right. sometimes. You know, sometimes you have to understand, like, these people want to, need to hear this right now. Or these people need to actually know what know where I am right now. And, I, you know, and you can't do anything without without that higher power. Mm. You know, that, you go to church and, you know, you, you're shouting, you know, shout music. You know, people get touched. And that's what, you know, that's what you need in music, whether you're – christian buddhist or not you know yeah. like i have all different types of religions in my band and i play with all different types of people but of the spirituality you know that having that higher power that faith that that drives that drives everything man. it's funny because you know what i just thought about which that? may sound crazy is like you ever seen those michael jackson concerts yeah and then I, immediately i thought about church and you know how people passing out at church so going to a Michael Jackson concert for a lot of people was a spiritual experience. Yes. yes. You see what I'm saying? Yes. And then when I went to see Kenny Garrett, which when you guys were playing, I felt like I had a spiritual experience. You know? Right. Like I also grew up in church and, and I still right. play in church and stuff now. Mm-hmm. So like, do you feel like when you're performing this new music, the Mecca, yeah. you got some motherfuckers out there passing out? I do, man. Like, <laughs> bro, we were in, we were in, uh, in Dizzy's before the record even came out, mm-hmm. you know, and we were playing and you know people some people are very conservative right, at, right. at jazz shows right. especially dizzies yeah especially dizzies <laughs> so we start hitting and we're playing and people automatically i'm watching and they're like connecting like i start i start to show off playing djembe okay okay so <laughs> i remember frank lacy was there and he, he he started calling me kunta he was like damn kunta he's like you scared you, you scaring them people up in there you know because this is it's it's a not really necessarily um your your crowd that is used to hearing like African like rhythms, <laughs> rhythms right. right off the bat. Right. You know what I'm saying? And then, you know, so I hit them hard. And then eventually towards the end of the show, man, everybody was out of their seats and dancing yeah. in dizzies. Right. Exactly. You know, because we got to we got to get back to that, you know, and we got to be able to get everybody to tap in spiritually to what's happening. Mm-hmm. Because and a lot of times when people, people, they'll tap in spiritually to what's happening. They think they're not. And they really are, or they don't allow themselves to, but you got to make them feel comfortable musically as well as, you know, as well as personally. Like when I'm, I talk to the audience exactly. to get them engaged, to let them know, oh man, that's what this song is about. Cause then they'll listen to it and then they could, 
it frees them up and they yeah. can connect to it. They'll use their imagination yeah. and start pulling in their like, own damn, experiences. Damn, I had a, I had an experience like this too. Damn, that's why that song sounds like that. That's why he he had to get this particular person to be on this particular song. Exactly. It's and that's that's how this record. That's how it is, man. Like every person, I had to choose every single person specifically to be on that on these on these tracks, man. See, I like that. That's a good point. Something yeah. that nobody has ever talked about before. Right, right. Like when you're creating music, and Duke Ellington used to say this. Mm-hmm. He would write music for the people in the band currently. That's right. Because you have to tap into, and you can talk more about this. Tap into those personal, those mm-hmm. uh, individual personalities yeah. to bring out the emotion that you're you're going for. Right, right, right. exactly. Like you, you, you often hear people, um, you know, and nothing, nothing against labels, nothing mm-hmm. against ra- uh, record labels, because I wanted to pitch this record to plenty of record labels. But I started the more I started speaking to certain labels, I and and listening to what other people were telling me, they were like, "Man, you may not be able to really put your personal thing into this." They're kind of selecting mm-hmm. who they want to be on the record, how they want to market the record, right. you know, all of this right. stuff. So I decided to go another route and start my own label. Yeah, released on my own label, and um, you know it's just it was just very important because I like man just had to be had to be true to it man you know had to be true to it you know and a lot on what I was gonna say was is a lot of these record labels they choose who they want to be and they they make these bands get this person on bass get this person oh, on yeah, drums yeah. get this person on trumpet saxophone whatever and whatever all of a sudden it's they band and not yours and right it's the labels <laughs> band and then the music doesn't necessarily speak true. Because, you know, funny enough, everybody on this record in one way or another has been connected right. in different situations. Mm-hmm. Like if you hear Josh and Stacy play together, like, you know, you I, you know, you can hire whoever you want to play together. But you want that. You want it to be natural. Right. You don't want it to just be what's on the page written. You want them to be able to create and have that freedom and be able to have that conversation. Because everybody on in the in the band, we just, you know, we, we get together. We have a good time, you know what I'm saying? Like we party, we play some music, we talk about we talk about what's going on in our lives, and then we then we hit on the bandstand, right, and right. then it comes out that way because yeah. you got to be able to have a conversation with people off the bandstand in order to really truly have a conversation with them on the bandstand. So y'all hear that? This shit is free. It's important. <laughs> <laughs> hey man. <laughs> hey man. That's what's up, man. You know people people forget, man. Earlier, you you uh, alluded to uh, looking backwards at your ancestors in order to go forward, right? You know what I mean. And you personally, you go up to Harlem and you play play, play for your what you call your ancestors, yeah, the elders, your elders who will who, who will, will be ancestors, who will be ancestors, yes, yes. But so, how are you? How do you? How do you honor what has happened, but also move the music forward? Because sometimes in jazz, we get in this perpetual cycle yeah, yeah. of honoring Duke. Right, Duke don't need no more honor. Right, right. You know right, what I'm saying. Right, like, but at the same time, you gotta respect Duke. Right, you know. So this this all goes back to the whole the whole spiritual thing. What I'm talking about, like, um, yeah, you could. There's different characteristics, the spiritual aspects of Duke Ellington's music, of Monk's music, of Train's music, of Miles, a Bird, a Dada, you know, Dada Dizzy. Just keep the list goes on and on. 
you know and, and a lot of times in jazz we're we're taught to transcribe all of these solos and play note for note when we're not really transcribing the vibe and the essence of of what that artist is really bringing so my thing is is that like i'm taking i'm i'm reading about you know the, the type of stuff that these cats are dealing with and their music sounded a certain way because they were living during a certain time mm -hmm. you know and let's say some people say swing is dead or whatever right no, it's not. It's not dead. It's just how you think about it. You know what I'm saying? If you put, if you swinging and you putting it in what you were dealing with, 1954, 1954 <laughs> to what you're dealing with in 2018. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff, man. You know, feel is feel. You know what I'm saying? So I honor, I honor these 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 ancestors. I'm not playing, uh, you know, Duke's Duke's music on the record. You know what I'm saying? But I'm playing some of the the characteristics of Duke. I'm playing some of the characteristics of of Chuck Brown, you know what I'm saying, which is a which was a godfather of go-go in DC. Mm -hmm. I'm playing some of the characteristics of Art Blakey and the Jazz Messengers, you know what I'm saying, in a in a way of how I feel it naturally. Right. It's not necessarily copying what they already did because you can't man, you're not going to recreate something and make it better than <laughs> than what came because that's that was the that was the sound of that time. Right. So it's like taking that and understanding that and knowing how to play it and how to put yourself into it, you know what I'm saying? And it's it's all about, you know, honoring them. Like like at the end of the record, I had that that long list of people that, you know, people that were my family members to yeah. to artists and stuff that that I know inspire me. You know what I'm saying? Daily, you know, and they're all ancestors. And you know, it just it's 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 true, man. It's just like, I what I've learned from them is how they lived how they lived and what they did while they're living and it inspires me and that's and I know what I have to do while I'm living. And then when I go up to Harlem and I drum for my elders, you know, I mean some of these people are there mentally and some of them aren't. You know, you have people with dementia that's so deep that they can't respond to anything. But wow. they respond to the music though. You know what I'm saying? They would like wake up, start clapping on on two and four, or start dancing. And then as soon as I stop they just they go just back inside. go right back inside. So, like, I look at that, man. I look at it's, it's, it as an exchange. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm giving them something by waking up and drumming, and they're giving me something because they're right. giving me inspiration to live that life, to live long enough to to see to see the things that they're doing. You know what I'm saying? And it's just really inspiring just to just to look at look into their faces and see see that wow, man, I'm bringing I'm bringing happiness. Right. To to this person who doesn't even know what, really what's going on anymore, right. but they're having a moment. They're having a moment of happiness, and I can connect with them. Right. So the, all of that inspires me and makes me comfortable, regardless of where I'm playing, who I'm playing with, or if I'm leading my band, or if I'm not leading my band. If I have to talk to talk in front of thousands of people, it's like, hey man, it's it's letting me know that I have experiences and I'm and I'm influenced and I can and I'm inspired and I could and I could do that because mm -hmm. I know I can connect to connect to them right and yeah, I like and that. i believe that you know i truly believe that we have ancestors that watch over us man oh 100 100 of the time man yeah. Yeah. when somebody passes passes along that, that knew you and, and was there for you that loved you and they're no longer here physically they're they're look they're, they, they got your you. back man yeah. they got your back yeah and yeah. i i definitely am a witness witness to that man yeah you know Man, I want to switch gears. Mm -hmm. um, and 
I want to talk about fatherhood, you know? Yeah. I know a lot of musicians worry about that, you know, like, man, yeah. when I become a father, like, you know, I want to be around, I don't want to be around, or mm. how it's going to affect me, how mm. it's not. Like, how has fatherhood so far, this six weeks, you're a veteran now. <laughs> <laughs> like, how, how has it affected your creativity and focus? It's affected my creativity and my focus in a, in a positive way, you know? Um, I was playing the other night, at the zinc bar and, the, and this drummer told me you know he, he said to me he said damn man you playing like you you playing different you know you playing like with more focus mm -hmm. you're not like fishing around like you know what you need to do you know what what's effective you're like it's, it seems like you know i'm playing now for not just for me but i'm playing to set an example for him to set an example for my family you know my wife and you know and it's just a it's a whole nother level of inspiration, man. Now, it is it is uh it is scary sometimes, you know, because you realize the responsibility that you have. Right. And you also for me, man, I realize how fast he's going to grow up and how I'm definitely a family-oriented type of cat, you know. I don't I don't want to be away all the time, come back 3 months, he's big, he's talking, he might not re totally remember everything. You know, I I don't want to miss out. So that's a challenge that 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 I'm dealing with now, you know, today as I set things up and as I look at my schedule coming up, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of time that's going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be gone, you know, um, coming up. But what I have to do is now I'm thinking on a larger scale, Okay. you know, um, ways that, to still be able to travel, tour, be inspired, because that's really what inspires me to, to continue going, you know, is being on the road and being able to play with different people that kind of that's what i do that's what i know how to do so now i have to take that and now i have to start thinking of other things you know go back to how i used to think okay when you were 17 years old what did you say you wanted to do you know and i'm like well okay i said i wanted to move to new york eventually i wanted to be able to play with different folks i wanted to be able to travel the world do that i wanted to get my degrees early so i can get all of that out the way which i did it got my degrees out the way in 2006 and then it's like okay now what happens after that and then I was like I want to be able to do that I want to be respected in my field you know um and then once my family comes I want to be able to start the next chapter of 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 hooking up this next generation coming up you know behind you know the next generation and right. still play so I'm like thinking about all of this stuff, man. It's, and it drives you crazy because you start thinking about location. <laughs> like, do I want to raise my kid in New York City? Right. No, I really don't. <laughs> but at the same time, you start realizing, okay, I'm married. My wife is from New York. Right. You got to be able to compromise. You got to be able to figure out what's best for, for the family, for the entire thing. You have dreams and aspirations and just kind of stick to them. So I'm thinking about, my point is anyway, as I babble along, I'm thinking about like, different things that I could do that are extremely effective that are just going to allow me to be around, around him more. Yes. You know, I'm gonna have to do that because I, don't, I because that's important to me. When I look at him, I'm like, damn, man, are you so, you so cute. You know what I'm saying? You're <laughs> like, I'm your dad. Like I'm looking at you. I'm actually your dad. That shit blows my mind. Like I'm somebody's father now, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, that's right, like, right. I'm normally the dude like, wow, man, congratulations. Right. Right. <laughs> Woo, I'm glad that's not me. You know what I'm saying? But since he's come in, man, I'm so glad. I'm so glad that to be a father, man, like this kind of like just changed the game for me. It's a whole nother level of inspiration. Yeah. 
So now it's just like, okay, I am at a point where I'm freaking out a little bit sometimes where it's like, hey, what do I do? Yeah. But I, I trust, and then that all goes back to to the ancestors, to being inspired, and then just to let those, letting that come and being an open open vessel and just letting the information come. I'm speaking to my mentors. Right. You know what I'm saying? Choosing the right mentors to speak to. Because, yeah, you big. know, we got, some, we, got, <laughs> yeah, we got cats that we love that take care of business on the bandstand, but, but don't take it. care of right. nothing else. Right. So we got to find them dudes that, you know, and, right. or those the women who, you know, who are, who are really people on. who are married, people who understand what it's like to be a, a great parent and still be able to be creative and be effective. So, you know, man, it's but it's nothing like it, man. It's It's just been amazing, bro, just being a a father you know being a father it's i ain't sleeping much but you know but it's like everything i'm doing i'm doing on a, on another on another level i'm trying to do it on another level yeah so playing with kenny garrett mm-hmm. over the years and playing with all the other legends that you you've uh, had the opportunity to play with mm-hmm. like what do you, what are the like three things you could say that you've learned just overall from from uh, having those experiences hmm. well I've learned how to. I've learned a, a level of um, confidence. You know, when I'm playing, um, I've learned how to, and I'm still working on how to put myself. How, regardless of who I'm playing with, be able to play myself. Mm. Um, I've learned how to, as we spoke earlier, how to tap in spiritually from the very beginning. Because if I'm not tapped in spiritually from the very very beginning, it's not even worth it, man. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I've learned how to how to uh, speak to an audience, how to read, how to somewhat understand what an audience needs to hear at that moment. And not always about what we just want to play at that moment, but what's going to be effective to the audience. What's going to be effective as to the band members, keeping them interested. Um, I've learned, um, man, I've learned how to be even more open-minded culturally. I mean, I was traveling with my family from a very young age, but, going to like every continent around the world numerous amount of times, you know, um, man, you just pick up, you pick up so many things from just how people are culturally, you know, and how to put that into your music and how to put that into yourself, what food to eat and what food not to eat. (laughs) You know, um, I've learned how to, how, you know, how to treat, you know, because I've worked with a lot of different people. Some people know how to treat you in the band and some people don't. So I, I I've learned how to um how to treat people in the band and make them feel respected because the more the more your bandmates respect you and the more open you are the more they're gonna want to play with you man yeah. and the more and the the better the music is gonna sound right you know um working on you know just you just gotta put your ego aside you know what I'm saying sometimes you gotta be confident and you gotta handle business but you gotta it's 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 not worth it to be an asshole and rub people the wrong way all the time. It's good to be firm. It's good to be firm. And that's what I'm learning. It's good to be firm. Don't let anybody walk over top of you. But at the same time, man, you got to be able to communicate musically and verbally Mm -hmm. to what's going on. And, um, I've learned, I've learned patience, man. I've learned patience from, from different people I played with, you know, great, I mean, amazing people, man, like, you know, um, how to put humor in the music, you know, and just how to not be too tight. Because I've worked with some people who 
I love dearly who are some of the greatest musicians in the world that are tight as hell, <laughs> you know, but then you start to see that they, they start to relax the more that they live right. and the more that they're open and the more that you're, you know, you can learn something. You got to realize that you can learn something from anybody. Oh yeah. That's you can learn something from somebody who's been playing their instrument for 50 years, or you can learn something from somebody who started two weeks ago. Yeah. Like you really can, because then you see, you see the, um, the aspect of, of things needing to be, you know, you want to have, you want to, you want things to seem new. You know how, like, that's one thing I learned from, that's one thing Kenny told me, you know, Miles used to tell him, don't, you know, don't get bored with it, you know, be like a kid, like a child, you know, when they discover something, it's exciting, it's new. And then, you know, then find something new about what you're doing. Every day. Every day. In your life and in your music. Mm -hmm. And I've learned how to put the music how to, how to put my life into the music and play my life. I'm not just playing. I don't want to just play music. Mm. Now I do want to be, I want to be amazing. Technically. I want to be able to play every mode, every scale, every bit of language, bebop, whatever, hip hop, <laughs> Latin, all of that, you know, be able to just be, just be a beast. But then you got guys who sound like machines and they're not really playing life. Right. I want to play a life. I want people to be like, damn, what was he, what was he feeling on that one? You know, damn, what made you do that? Right. Was you like, I had a dude, I was talking to this dude on the radio and he, he said to me, he said, man, Corcoran, you at the Detroit jazz festival, you sat in on one song and you came in there and like, you played so much shit in, in, in one, in one moment. And the shit was effective. It made people feel like, um, like damn, what, what what's up with this cat? Then I just vanished <laughs> after that and rolled out. Right, and I told him that for one, I had a flight that I had that I had to catch. <laughs> it had been a long day, mm-hmm. and everybody was playing like not not everybody, but the, the, some of the folks were playing like tools. They were playing mm-hmm. kind of like like just robots, very just robotic it, right? and generic. I was like, man, I got to be able to put myself into this. I got to put how I'm feeling in this. And that's what's important. And that's what I, when people hear me play and when people see me play, you know, I I want them to 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 understand what it is that I have inside. Right. I want to be as clear as I could possibly be. Yeah. I, and I know that's true. You know who taught me that? Who that? Your homie Ashlyn. Oh, yeah. Maybe oh, I told you that. Yeah. When yeah. I first met Ashlyn, I was like, you know. Yeah. I was like, man, I feel, I feel every time I play drums now, I feel weird. He was like, well, maybe your ass need to feel weird. <laughs> there you go. And I was walking away, like, the fuck? What? what does that mean? Like, <laughs> and then, you know, I thought about it, I was like, he, he, he was trying to just get me to, to understand the same thing that you just said. Mm-hmm. You gotta, however you are feeling in the moment, embrace that. Embrace that and put, put that it out in there. The music. Put it in the music. Don't fight it. Don't fight it. Because that's what music is. Right. Music is, is, it's our expression, man. We, we're lucky, man. We're blessed to be able to pick up an instrument and put how we're actually feeling at that very moment into that, into into what we're doing and, and be able to broadcast it to anybody who's there that can hear it and anybody who's there that can see it, you know, and that's, that's, that's what's important, man. Yeah. Being able to do that. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. So this next segment of the show, I call it the word game. Okay. And so what happens is I say a word. And mm-hmm. then you tell me the first story that comes to you to your mind. Oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> All right. Freedom. Freedom. I was in Romania and I was backstage and I found out my best friend, Eric, Eric Will, I found out his mom passed away. Okay. 
as I was backstage in Romania. Mm-hmm. And I knew at that moment that it must have been devastating for Eric. And I was and I wasn't there. I was all the way in Romania. I couldn't call him. I was trying to call him. He couldn't pick up. And I know Eric is a you know, cool dude who holds his feelings in, and it'll just seem like nothing's wrong. But I know that I had to kill him. So it was killing me, man. And I told Kenny right before. And I was like, man, you know, I was like, Kenny, man, I don't, I don't, I don't know, man, if I could, how I'm feeling, man, if I could, like, play. Like, I actually told him I don't know if I could play right now. And he kind of looked at me, and he was like, man, you got to use, use that. And put it in the, to what we're about to do, man. That's why you're here, you know. That's why you're here. You got to be able to do that, you know. Just like when Maul Group passed away, Kenny would cry on the stage, mm. scream for like ten minutes, just start crying. The audience be like, "What? What's wow. going on?" Wow. But he needed that release. That's freedom. Mm. So we were playing a, a very up tempo tune, and I normally solo like last on this tune. Kenny like saw me. I was playing. I was like getting teary eyed, and I was playing. And then he just stopped and he just pointed at me and then he just told me, told me to play. So then I just started playing. I must have played for like seven minutes wow. straight. Wow. You know what I'm saying? And I was like drooling and crying all this, <laughs> yeah, right. you know, looking crazy. But I felt, I felt free, man. And I felt free. And then after that moment, I felt like, ah, okay. I was able to get that out. And the audience was like, wow, he was, I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> But I feel what happened to him. I saw him upset. Mm-hmm. I saw him release it. We received it. And now he's now he's playing and he's moving on. And that's what music is that's what music is all about. That's what this experience is all about. So that's that's a similar sense of freedom. And to not be free is when you're playing with somebody and you're at as as bass players and as drummers, mm-hmm. we support the people that we're playing with but this when you're playing in a music musical situation and you don't have an opportunity to truly express yourself which happens which can happen quite often this is something that band leaders need to understand your music's going to be a lot better when you give people that actual opportunity to do that right. it's almost like shushing them on the bandstand if they got something to say and they could say it allow them to say it. now if they can't say it and they're not ready. Wait. Wait. <laughs> Wait, because they could destroy it. But right. you know what I'm saying? So there's been situations where I have not been free, so I've had to remove myself. Right. Right. And this is this is stuff that I've had to that I've had to realize, you know? Of course. Like what what you what are you playing for? Mm-hmm. What are you playing for? Like, we're playing for to express ourselves. I can't express myself, man. Like I don't have to solo. Right. I don't have to solo, but I gotta be able to vibe with the drummer or the piano player or the horn player. I got to be able to vibe with somebody. We got to be spiritually in there so we could be free. Exactly. And that's what, that's to me, that's a sense of freedom. Washington, D.C. Yes. That's the, the best city <laughs> on the planet. <laughs> At least when I was coming up. Okay. Um, all right. So when I was in college, I went to college at Shenandoah University, which is an hour and a half outside of D.C. And um, at that time, I actually recruited Michael Bowie, who was one of the best bass players in D.C., one of my, you know, big brothers on the D.C. scene. And in the world scene, Mike is a bad cat. He's played with so many people, Abby Lincoln, Betty Carter, you know, just a ton of people. Right. So uh, anyway, man, so I had uh, Mike recruited to teach me at Shenandoah because I was going to leave Shenandoah because I was in culture shock, bro. (laughs) Coming from D.C., coming from like Chocolate City at that time and going out there to the middle of nowhere where like 85% of the people were from the countryside of Virginia. Oh, 
and I was like one of the only brothers there, and I was like used to like being at Duke Ellington, which was like one of the most creative places mm-hmm. ever. Um, it was just like it was, it was. I was in culture shock, so I got Mike. I, I got Mike to teach me, man. And I was studying with Mike, and one day I'm in my my house with Ashlyn. We were we were housemates out in Virginia, Winchester, Virginia. I get a phone call from Mike, and he's like, Corcoran, um, can you make this this gig, man, for me? I, I need you to sub for me. And automatically right there, my stomach kind of like, like, sub for you? What are you talking about, you know? He's like, well, um, Curtis Fuller is coming in to play at Blues Alley, uh, which is a club in, in D.C., which is one of the top clubs in D.C. And it's the Curtis Fuller Sextet, Lawless Roney, John Hicks, Curtis Fuller, Javon Jackson, uh, I believe Carl Allen was wow. on it the first time. Jimmy Cobb the second time. Okay, you know, and I'm like, uh, hold up, Mike, can I call you right back? <laughs> so I hang the phone up. I'm like, what the fuck? Okay, damn, I had to catch my breath, and I was like, man, I don't think I could do this, man. I was like nervous, you know. I was like, man, I don't want to mess up their gig, you know. And so I called Mike back. I said, Mike, so you said Curtis Fuller sex tap da 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 da, and he was like, yeah, man. He was like, so you want to do it? Can you do it? Can you cover for me for the weekend? I'm like, Mike, you think I'm ready to do that? He's like, I wouldn't be calling asking if you weren't ready. He's like, this is what you need. Right. You need this. You need to always surround yourself with people that are much better than you in order to get better. So this is what people did for me. I'm doing this for you. So I, I was like, all right, cool. So I ended up going to D.C., playing with Curtis, man. We kicked that, kicked that one tune off. Ala Mode was the first tune. Okay. That joint was fast, bro, like super fast. But I felt all right. I was like, damn, man, I'm up here with, with, with these cats playing at Blues Alley. I'm from D.C. and I had never played at Blues Alley before. Oh, wow. And my first time was with Curtis. And so then I thought I had everything cool. And then he said, all right, now we're going to feature our trumpet player. This is my Wallace Roney D.C. story. And he said, um, we're going to feature our trumpet player on the ballad of his choice. And... um I'm, I'm having a feeling that he might want to play around midnight. Okay. <laughs> right. So makes I'm sense, like, yeah, right? it makes sense. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, sh-. I'm like, shit, around midnight, okay. And at that time, I kind of knew the changes from the real book. Mm. Kind of. And you know, them changes are like totally wrong, bro. So they kick off the intro, just like Miles and all of them. I didn't know where it was. <laughs> I didn't know the intro. So we start playing, bro. <laughs> start playing a tune. I'm playing. I'm. It's cool. First of all, it's cool. In the in the club, bro. Right, right. We started playing. I started sweating bullets. I can't even look up. I'm looking down. Right, you... <laughs> I'm missing every change, bro. I'm missing every change. My mom is there. You know, the place is sold out. And I'm looking like that. I'm looking like the young boy. You know what I'm saying? I'm looking like the young boy who's who was all right on the first tune, who's messing up the second tune. So I'm like revealing the fact that I needed this to, and I needed to grow. So I butchered the tune, bro. Wallace took his solo, turned around at me, looked at me in the eyes, and he said, <laughs> sucked his teeth, shook his head, and walked off the stage. I Damn. was like, dang, my heart hit the floor. <laughs> so after that, that same night, I was leaving out, and I felt kind of bad. I mean, I, everything else was cool after that, but I felt bad about that. Right, I had thought about that the whole gig. John Hicks said, hey, bro, young man, come here real quick. He said, he said, sit sit right here. He patted on the piano <laughs> bench. He said, sit right here, man. Sit right here. Check this out. And he started playing it chord by chord from the very beginning to the very end. Intro. 
you got that? I said, can you do that again? Did it. Did it again. I was like, visually, t- you know. Taking notes. Say, taking notes, you know what I'm saying? Played it. You know, of course, I couldn't remember everything, but I remembered it because I was able to tap in and focus. Tapped in, focused. And then um, when we played it again, we played it again the next day. And and, and actually, and we played it again the next day, and I, and I played it, and it was cool. And then Wallace kind of looked at me and kind of like, you know, like a little small smile and the gig was cool and it was fun. Then the next year I came back and did it again. But it was just a fact, man, like John Hicks, he actually took the time, told me to sit out and showed it to me, bro. You know, that's something that, you know, I, I feel like I was on, kind of on the tail end of of those cats, you know, that, that, that would do that, you know. And John Hicks is now an ancestor, you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's that's one story. That's one DC story of of me feeling like I got shot down in my hometown. But then that gig helped me, and that connection from that gig helped me. I'm I'm curious just about how you craft your career and like the direction. Like, do you have a, a clear direction for your career? You know what I mean? It's, I'm sure you do it now. I mean, you have a kid, so you're just a little more focused. But just mm-hmm. in the past, where you're like, okay, this is what I'm gonna do. Mm-hmm. And I'm gonna execute these things, and I'm gonna be here by this point. Mm-hmm. Or were you just kind of more just like, all right, I'm just gonna see with how things. Okay. Well, I had a. I have to be honest, man. I had a, a clear, plan. Okay. From high school, from being at Duke Ellington School of Arts, I had a clear plan because they, Davey Yarbrough, who's my mentor, and the head of the jazz, jazz department there. He made us young professionals. So I knew from that point that I could be a professional. You know, I learned how to be on time. I learned how to work with these people. So I had a plan of that. As I said earlier in the interview, there was a time I wanted to go to college and then I wanted to make my way to New York. And I knew when I had that gig with Curtis, when I was still an undergrad, these guys were in New York. And then I got called for some other things. Benny Golson. Um, trombone summits with Steve Turay, Wycliffe Gordon, Slide Hampton, Fred Wesley, all of these different guys. So I was taking every every opportunity that I was having, I, I felt like I needed to be ready for. And I knew I wanted to get to New York, and I knew if I make a good impression with these guys, hopefully I could work with them once I got to New York. Right. Okay. So that was my plan, you know. High school, I wanted to go to New York right away. My dad was like, no, you're not going to New York at 17. You, it's good for you to, to stay and develop. I was frustrated. I was like, nah, but but it worked out because I was able to play with some legends exactly. without being distracted and trying to play like everybody else, right. as a lot of young guys in New York tend to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I felt like I was a man, a young man by the time I got to New York, right. which is important. You know, we've talked about that before. Of course. Yeah. You know, so that was my plan was to connect with these guys be able to play with these guys, you know? And so I've, I have made a plan, man, you know? And like I said, my plan was to tour the world, play with as many people as I can, always continue to do that. And now my new plan, my new plan is, of course, I'm married, so I have to be able to comp- compromise. I, I'm married to a very strong woman who's very creative and very artistic, who has dreams and goals and aspirations of her own. Perfect. So now I'm learning <laughs> over yeah. the last couple of days yeah. How important it is to be able to support yeah, of course. whoever you're with, their dreams as well. Mm-hmm. 
because everything happens at different times for for very people, you know. So and that can be hard for us because you know we, we get so caught up in our own thing, and it's, it's just very like, hard, bro. Because we're we're single minded. Yeah, that's like, what I'm doing. Oh yeah, you doing it? Okay, cool. Yeah, like, but we have, but you know, we have to be that way. Yeah. At at a certain point, why? That's why it's good to be that way when we're younger. Right. You know, because if I if I was thinking about everybody else at one point, and I wasn't thinking about what I was doing, I wouldn't be able to get to where I am. Exactly now you know what i'm saying so now i'm thinking about the whole complete package i'm thinking about the next generation i'm thinking about trying to open this art center in dc where i could bring different musicians that i play with you know different bands weekly to do clinics and and be involved with the inner city youth you know i'm thinking about all of this stuff and this is a plan that i had me and eric was sitting on the back porch chilling blazing like when we were 17 you know talking about this you know, and then it was just like, okay, yeah, man, we're gonna go to New York. We're gonna play with different people. Da, 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 da. <laughs> when we get married, you know, then we could op- we could open up like a art center. Yeah, you know, and we could create like a little di- little Duke Ellington, you know, a little like miniature Duke Ellington School of Arts sort of center, and then we could bring these bring people in. So that's my my next my next that's goal. Next right. And the next goal is to is to do that, and of course to just keep recording and have my own label and invite other people to record on the label that I have. You know. Yeah. And um. Still always seek counsel from from my mentors, man. But I'm just I'm taking it one day at a time. But I'm thinking about everything in a strategic way because I've always been that way, man. Yeah, yeah. Like even people I played with when I I remember when I first got in Kenny's band that first week we were sitting next to him. I was sitting next to him on the plane. He was like, "All right, so what's your five year plan, man?" Like that. That's the first thing he said to me. What's your five year plan? What you what do you where do you want to be in five years? Right. And I told him, and he was like, "All right." And then it was eight years, <laughs> it was eight years later that I was able to kind of do some of the other things. I told him I wanted to have, you know, be able to do my record, you know, be able to, you know, uh, hopefully be starting a family, you know what yeah. I'm saying? So like, you know, there's this, there's this book called The Secret that my mom always tells me oh, about. Yeah. You, you yeah. know about that oh, book, yeah, of man? Yeah, and and of when course. you put your, your actual thoughts and they, man- they manifest, yeah, you know, and, and so you always have that. It's good to have a plan, man. Yeah. It's good to have a plan. So I've always been that dude to have a plan yeah i like that yeah only thing i'll add to it is 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 sometimes for for the young kids listening to to the show is to remember to uh be flexible within your plan that's right because life happens oh yeah life happens bro you know my mom used to tell me that life gonna happen to your ass <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, and, and it does it, it, it does and it always will yeah it always will man my daddy used to say what well, it says life gonna life has a funny way of whipping your ass <laughs> 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 See, this, and these are the things we got to remember. And these are the things we got to tell our kids, man. Because mm-hmm. now, sh- shit, we in our 30s, man. You know, yeah. and it's like, we're not, we not old, but we... but we you Ain't no spring chicken, baby. Ain't no spring chicken, yeah. bro. My back hurts. <laughs> you know, my back hurts from from doing all sorts of stuff, man. I, physically, yeah. I'm feeling it a lot more. So I also realize I got to take care of myself yeah. a lot more. Yeah. And that's in the plan, too. Life definitely has a way of whooping your ass, and and it's and it's good. It's good though, yeah, because you need that. Yeah, but you also got to be able to learn from it, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, man, I'm gonna close it out with this question, and it's, uh, what are the three things you're most thankful for? Mm. Three things I'm most thankful for. Wow, is definitely, definitely my family. You know, my wife, my my, my son, my mom. My dad, my sister, my stepfather, uncles, you know, aunts, my friends. I'm going to put all of that in one category. Okay. 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 All right. 
friends and family. I'm thankful for for uh, inspiration, man. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't have they don't they don't have that inspiration. I'm thankful to be able to have that inspiration and to be healthy, you know, as I'm inspired, my health and my my inspiration. Um, and I'm just thankful for man creativity creativity in my life and and um being able to draw creativity from my life mm-hmm. and knowing what my passion has always been yeah i've known since i was four years old what i wanted to do you know i'm thankful for that man yeah that's deep i'm thankful for god of course thank yeah. god for yeah. all of that because ain't none of that possible without yeah. without god man. yeah so man before we go i do want to give you opportunity to plug to plug your CD, where can they buy it? Your website and any, oh, yeah, any shows you got no coming doubt. up in the future you want people to know about? No doubt, yeah. Um, so my website is corcoranholt dot com. That's C O R another C O R A N Holt H O L T dot com. So that's my website. That's gonna have all my schedule scheduling stuff. Um, and it and it has like uh information, photos, stuff about the band. You could buy hard copies of my of my record the mecca you can buy that at cdbaby.com hard copies you could you could buy it digitally and download it um digitally everywhere everywhere where you where you could purchase it (laughs) download it you know uh, itunes google play amazon spotify um you name it it's it's there okay it's there just 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 type it in um, the next, the next things that we have coming up this month, the, the releases, the, the big releases um, that we have coming up this month, are uh, March twenty second at Birdland, okay, in New York City, in New York City, Birdland, New York City. Um, it's the evening show, I believe it's, uh, I believe it's six o'clock in in the, in the evening. Um, so you could just you can Google that Birdland Jazz and then scheduling, and you could. Purchase your tickets there, and uh, we'll be there with the with the quintet. Myself, Stacy Diller, Josh, F., uh, Freddie Hendrick is is actually sitting in for Josh on this one. McClinty Hunter, Benito Gonzalez. And then that, so we have March twenty second. Then we have March twenty sixth at uh, Smalls Smalls Jazz on twenty sixth, and that's at ten thirty p.m. and that's in the Village in New York City. You could go to uh, smallsjazz.com or you could also go to my website and you can see see all of that stuff also. Mm-hmm. And then um, Bethesda Blues and Jazz, that's that's the Washington, D.C. release. Major release. Big room, beautiful room, new new location in Bethesda, Maryland. And that's going to be on March the 29th. And that's two shows, um, 7.30 and 9.30 p.m. So that's uh, Bethesda blues and jazz and you could you could google that just google that go to scheduling in corcoran holt it's my name and um yeah you know hope to see you guys there and and all of the the other stuff coming up you know i i I tour with other people i'm about to go to japan on wednesday you know um, with kenny garrett so there's i have a lot of that that stuff so i'm doing my own thing in between a lot of the things that i'm doing but um if you I can keep you keep everybody up, updated if they go to corcoranholt.com and put their email in and subscribe and they'll get all the information daily as, it, as it's upgraded. Perfect. All right. So y'all check it out. Corcoranholt.com. 
and uh, I'll have it linked in the in the show notes. Click it, go check out Corcoran, buy his record, Please download his it. record, yes, listen to it repeatedly on Spotify, so he keeps getting paid. Yes, Corcoran, man, thanks for coming on the Working Artist. Hey, project. thanks, Dan. I appreciate you, man. If you like what you heard, you know what to do. Hit that subscribe button. The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Find out more at secondlinearts.org. I'm Darian Douglas, and this is The Working Artist Project. Thank you.